Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Let's get into the word. Let's see here. Let's start at Romans chapter 10, verse 1. One of the things I love about how the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these letters to the churches, they're called epistles. And these are letters to believers. Remember that. Anything after the book of Acts in the New Testament, well, the whole Bible is for believers and sinners. But I'm going to tell you right now, anything past the book of Acts in the New Testament is for believers. They're letters to the churches. They're letters to people who already believe in Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, sure, it's for believers, but that's for people to get saved, to get a revelation about God's love, God as Father, the words of Jesus, the things He did, the character of God. But you want to expound upon that and go deeper than you're going to read into the epistles. So Romans is actually the first epistle here. It's right after the book of Acts in the New Testament. And he's dealing with, you want to simplify it? Church members, the body of Christ, people who believe in Jesus. People who have accepted Jesus, we call that being saved. Okay? People who have accepted Jesus and want to walk with God, they're connected to a local body, just like you are tonight. Um, and, and if the live stream's going on, that as well. They're connecting to a local body. So the Apostle Paul is writing to church members, believers. Okay? So we're in... Chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer, his deep desire, and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Remember, Jesus, Son of God, was born as a Jew into a Jewish family. It's a culture, but more importantly, the Jewish culture was this. God gave them the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Why? Because God selected them as his, his people. They're the descendants of Abraham. He called Abraham. You can read all about that in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. First book of the Bible, the book of beginnings. He called them to himself to be a people separate from the world that didn't worship idols. And so he could step in and one day be born into the people of Israel and save the world. That's why Jesus was born, was to save and redeem the world. What is redeem? To buy us back from Satan. After the Garden of Eden, people were children of Satan. They were. They said, man, I don't, I don't want to be that way. And you, I mean, you could choose to be righteous by faith even in the Old Testament. But many people had fallen under the dominion of Satan because he was the God, lowercase g, the God of this world, lowercase g. All right? So Jesus came to save us through the Jewish people. And now the Apostle Paul is saying, man, my, my, the longing of my heart, my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Verse 2. He says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Let's stay right there. <laughs> There's moms and dads in the house tonight. You ever had your kids get excited at the wrong time and for the wrong things? <laughs> you have. Not right now. That is what you call misdirected zeal. Enthusiasm at the wrong time. Some of it just becomes foolishness. I'll tell you this right now. I was not a child. But uh, I'm ashamed to tell you this, but you will never forget about misdirected zeal. I was with my brother and my two cousins at one of my mom's uncle's funeral in August of 1995. And I still remember I looked at 
I looked at my cousins and my brother, and I just gave them a look. There was a guy singing, and he, it tickled me. This is not a, you know, I'm not proud of this, but I'm, I'm going to tell you how foolish I was and how it was enthusiasm at the wrong time. So just by looking at my brother and my two cousins, I caused them to laugh at a funeral. And mom kindly brought it up a couple of times years later. She goes, you know, my uncle, you know, the one where you guys were laughing. I'm like, oh, sounds just like my mom, huh? And she wasn't mad, but she said, you know, you remember that funeral. That was enthusiasm at the wrong time. And I can't even say if it was, I can't say that it was for God. It was just foolishness, all right? You got kids, you say, man, I'm excited about this. Look, he says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God. He's talking about the Jewish people here, the ones who are originally entrusted with the word of God. And Jesus was a Jew, and Paul was a Jew. And most of Scripture writers were Jewish. God used them, spoke to them, inspired them by the Holy Spirit to write the words of God. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. The word misdirected means directed improperly or incorrectly. Why? Let's keep reading. I'm glad you asked. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Hang in there. We're going somewhere with this. They don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting what? Getting right with God. That's what we call righteousness in Scripture, being right with God. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Now, here's the problem with the law. The law is good. Someone say the law is good. I'm talking about Old Testament law. You get any good government in the world has based its laws on morality, which come from God and His law in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, basically. Thou shalt not kill or steal or all these other things, right? Most commonsensical countries and constitutions, our constitution as well, it's a great document. You should read it. It's a great document. It's very well-intentioned. It's based on God's Word. All, all people are created equal, all these good things. But the Jews got stuck in that saying, we're going to be right with God by memorizing. Did you know the Jews, they'll memorize the first five books of the Bible. Many of their kids, they go to what they call modern day, they call it shul. Comes from a, an old, older uh, German word, shule, which means school. They go to the synagogue. That's their church, a Jewish church, and they learn. And they'll memorize books of the Bible. Can you imagine that? Impressive. But they say, they cling to their way. Look at Scripture says, they cling to their way. And they get right with God, or they try to get right with God, by trying to keep the law. And here's the problem with the law. I started all this by saying this. Is the law just points out, you're wrong. You're in sin. You need a Savior. Apart from Jesus, you're wrong. You're in sin. And you need a Savior. Let me say that one more time for everybody listening. Apart from Jesus, you can't do it on your own. You can't make yourself right with God. Scripture says all of your righteousness, all of our righteousness, it's dirty rags to the Lord. We're wrong, we're in sin, and we need a Savior, and only Jesus can provide that. Look at this. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. One translation says Christ is the end of the law. And that shocks people. Say, the end of the law, especially Jews. No, the law will never end. Well, Jesus said, I didn't come, come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. So he came to fulfill the law. And the law was fulfilled in him. So let's read that again. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. 
Now let's stop there and let's talk about this and let's think about it for a minute. I want to slow down and I want us to think about this. So you saying, Pastor Matt, that I can't be right with God by my actions? No. But when you're right with God, you want to do correct act. You want to you act right. Okay? People say, well, works won't get me to heaven. No, but if you love God, you won't just be a hearer of the word. You'll be a doer of the word. And you will want to do good deeds. <clears throat> you'll want to serve. You'll want to be servant-hearted. You want to be friendly and kind to people. You want to be forgiving. You want to be joyful. You want to be kind to a stranger when nobody sees, when nobody's watching. So let's read this again. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Man, you just got to believe in Jesus. And by faith, you are right with God. No matter what happens, you keep seeking God. You say, man, but I'm struggling in these areas. God will polish those areas in your life if you stay in the Word. Someone say, stay in the Word. If you stay in the Word, God will polish those areas in your life. We said last week that Jesus was the stumbling stone. He was a stumble. I mean, he was a stumbling stone to people. A rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. We talked about that at the end of chapter 9 last week. And I believe that we polish ourselves on the stone. Harder than granite, harder than diamond, that's Jesus. You, you do what he says, you build your life on his things, like the wise man who built his house on the rock and not on the sand. That is obeying God and knowing that you're right with God. You're right with God because you believe in Jesus. That makes you right with God. Isn't that crazy? It's so simple that people stumble over it. I, was t I think I was telling you, Michal, last week, oh, this is all simple, but it's not always easy. Right, is everybody with me still? It's so simple. You say, well, well, that's it? I mean, I don't have to. Northern New Mexico, there was a sect years ago, and they were a sect of Catholicism, so they broke away. Very radical. And I don't know if they didn't get the full word. I don't know if they just, religion got a hold of them, which was not a good thing. I'm not using that as a compliment. Probably well-meaning people. And they call themselves the penitentes, the penitent ones. And did you know there are legends and some proofs that at some point, look at these, these were supposed to be a sect of a certain type of Christianity. Um, Catholicism does not teach the full word of God, the full counsel of God. We as believers need to understand the full counsel of God. But I will say this, well-meaning people, they got enough of the word to twist it. And these folks that I just mentioned, they would even have people get crucified for their sins every year. Can you imagine? That is shocking. That's scary. It's tragic. It's horrific. It sounds like one of these terrible Halloween movies that's out. All right, brother, uh, you drew the short straw. This year you're going to be crucified for our sins. What? They never read this. Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Jesus was crucified for our sins. Why would you crucify someone like me? I am a very, if I could be considered a lamb, I am not the lamb of God, and I'm very imperfect. I can't take away your sin. John the Baptist, he spoke of Jesus. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't just cover it up, sweep it on the rug, forget about it. No. They did sacrifices in the Old Testament to cover sin. You're covered. But now, when you're truly right with God, you're made right with God by the blood of Jesus, 
You're not only covered for a lifetime, he takes away your sin. You have a clean slate every day if you walk with him. That is a big deal. I don't know. I want you to let the gravity of that statement settle into your hearts right now. That is a big, stinking deal. That you be made right with God. Now you can enter in and pray to him. You can come hear the word, and hey, I believe this is all very scriptural. The Apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 10, we don't want to give up on meeting together. We encourage, we believe, we, we hold each other accountable, we love each other, we, we, we bless each other, we pray for each other. But when you're alone, you can enter into God's presence. You don't need me there, and you don't need each other there. We can enter in, into God's presence together, but you can be all alone in your house. Listen to worship music at night and go, Lord, I just thank you for the blood of Jesus because I can enter your presence. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Let me read that whole verse again. I'm really, really harping on this one. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. He confirmed it. He lived it. He did it. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Let's move on to the next verse. Look at this. This, this is going to elaborate on what we're talking about. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. The Pharisees, the, the Jewish people, the scribes, the um, rabbis to this day say that there are 613 precepts that we must honor and keep every one of them in the Old Testament. That sounds stressful, doesn't it? 613. I don't even want to count that high. That sounds stressful. Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. Here's the power of God, though. Here's the power of His Word. Here's the power of His Word. Scripture says Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's the Word who came in the form of a person. And He said... Oh, you want to you wanna fulfill the whole law? Love God and love others. What? How? That is so simple, a child can understand it, and an adult can trip over it. It's so simple, it becomes difficult for people. It's a stumbling stone. You say, man, that, love God and love others, but it's, that's a challenge. You need God's help to do that. So let's go on to the next verse. 10.6, but faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven. To Stick with me. This is going to sound a little odd. It's very unusual the way this is written and the, the analogy and the comparison and the, the language that Paul is using here. Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. Say, man, we've got to bring God back down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. Well, he's already risen. He's already resurrected. You don't have to worry about that. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your what? In your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach, which is what? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's stop right there. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Man, you should be so excited that God made this so simple and clean and clear and transparent. No hidden gimmicks. Nothing that is impossible to do. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Saved from what? Things I love to pray in the sinner's prayer, and we'll pray it tonight just to make sure 
for folks on the live stream and everyone in this house that you're right with God and that you've accepted Jesus and you're on your way to heaven, that you are right with him, that's such a big deal. But saved from what? Our past, which includes sin, right? Everybody has a past. I remember growing up and said, man, hey, don't talk to him. He has a past. Don't talk to her. She has a past. Everybody has a past. It wouldn't make sense if we didn't. We came from the past. The past informs the present, but we can't get stuck back there and die. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from your past, saved from sin, and get ready for this one. This is not popular. Saved from hell. I didn't come up with that. Jesus spoke about hell often. He spoke about hell. Why? Because God does not want us to go there. That was not created for us. It's for people who reject God. And my dad has said this so well over the years. He said, there's not a sin problem. There's a sinner problem. Jesus dealt with sin, but people keep sinning. Say, is this a message of condemnation? No. When you know that you're right with God, you realize, I don't have to sin. I've been empowered by God's grace to live right. And because I'm right with God, I will live right. Hmm. You will be saved from your past, from sin. Let me add a third one in there. From yourself, from hell. Past, sin, self, and hell. Let me say it one more time. Past, sin, self, and hell. You'll be saved from all of that all at once just by believing. Let's go on to the next one. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. Remember? Scripture says, because Abraham believed God, it was, it was attributed to him or it was given to him as it was seen as righteousness. Just because Abraham believed God. That was way before the law was ever written down. It is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. Scripture says, the just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Those who are right with God live by faith. It is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith. That you are saved. I like that translation. He's reiterating verse 9. Let's go on to the next one. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced or shamed. If you trust in him humbly, there's a key word, humbly, you'll never have anything to be ashamed of. You walk with God and serve him humbly, you will never be disgraced. Let's keep going. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. Those of you, many of you remember this, who've been to this class, been to the, or sorry, been to this Bible study, this service, have been to the uh, Sunday service, or you just know this uh, by prior knowledge. A Gentile is a non-Jew. So this statement by Paul is saying everyone, Jews and non-Jews are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who, what? Call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Someone say this with me on the count of three. Let's read this verse. One, two, three. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I've had this discussion with close friends over the years. You say, what is saved? Well, you're saved from your past. You're saved from hell. You're right with God. But then now you start to live like you're right with God. That's someone who's truly saved. We can have the debate all day. Said, well, he was in and out of God, or she was in and out of God. They were never saved, or they were saved and walked away from God, which Scripture proves that too. But whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and all they have to do is walk in it. I know it sounds overly simplistic tonight, but that's what it is. It's simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You get saved, you stay connected, you get in the Word, and you stop living in the past. Let's move on. 
But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? This is where you come in. And what else? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them it is your job, your duty, your precious and sacred calling to tell people about Jesus? Say, man, do I got to go out and stand on a pulpit and preach with a loudspeaker over by Thriftway? You could. You know, in America, that's probably not going to get a lot of people's attention. They just think you're weird. But there's something that is called the power, to me, of one-on-one. That's telling someone about what God has done for you. Because people serve it up all the time on a silver platter. They walk up and go, I'm going through it. I don't know if this life is worth it. Have you ever wondered if, if there's anything more to life? And they wait for you. It's a setup. I'm like, uh, yeah, I did wonder, and God has saved me. What? He saved you? Yeah, let me tell you all about it. And sometimes people go, well, I don't know. I'm not there yet. Invite them to church. They can come sit with you on a Wednesday night or a Sunday. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? We're still in the United States of America. Most people have heard about Jesus. But then you start to talk to some people, and I've even had this where they go, I've never heard it like that, or I didn't know that. Ignorance can wipe you out. Hosea 4.6, speaking about God's people, says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? We'll go on. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why this church believes in missions. That's why we believe in helping the poor. That's why we believe in being a lighthouse on this part of town. That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Let's stop right there tonight. Romans 10, 15. Can I read that whole verse again one more time, Mikha, if you don't mind? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Your feet are beautiful to God. You're bringing the gospel of peace. What is that? You're bringing peace and reconciliation. You're bringing God and people together again. Jesus already did it. All you got to do is share it with people. And if you've never heard or never known how to lead someone to Jesus, I'm going to give you a prayer tonight. You're going to pray it with me. And that's how you lead someone to Jesus. It's very simple. You say, man, I forgot. I can listen to the podcast, go back and listen to YouTube or Facebook Live. And I lead people in a prayer every time I preach. Why? Because everyone needs a chance to get right with God. That's what it's all about. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. If there's anyone at the sound of my voice, anyone at all today who says, you know what, Pastor Matt, if I died, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Well, the only option apart from heaven is hell. Oh, my dear brother and sister, you don't want to spend an eternity separated from God. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. So if you've never accepted Jesus and made a public confession of your faith, I won't embarrass you in any way. But I want you to boldly raise your hand today. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to all pray together. But if there's anyone in this house who says, I have never confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand today and I will pray with you. We're going to pray it anyway. But would you like to make a profession and a confession of faith today? Raise your hand. Anyone else listening to this message as well? God bless you for your courage, sir. You are changing your family tree and you're changing your history. I want everyone in this house to raise a hand to the Lord now. Go ahead. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, apart from you, without you, 
I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry, Lord. I've fallen short of your glory and your perfect standard. I need you, Jesus. See, I confess and I believe that Jesus is my Lord. Satan is not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And I believe he died and rose again for me. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. Save me. I believe it's done right now. In Jesus' name. Say, I need you, Lord. I don't want to live life without you. In Jesus' name. Now let me just pray a blessing over everyone in this house, everyone at the sound of my voice. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you because your word is perfect. We thank you because if you promise to save us when we believe and confess Jesus as Lord, you will do it. And by faith, we're saved because of that simple act. So simple, people stumble over it. We're right with you now, God. And we thank you, Father. We praise you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for everything you've promised. Thank you for the curse that you've broken over our lives. Thank you for the hunger you're giving us for your word. We give you thanks and praise, and we glorify you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. So.